I'm going to change my my historic perspective has been a 10 to 12 percent adjustment. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that is any more sustainable. I think I think it's got to be more than that. Honestly, though, deeper. it doesn't even like I get what you mean adjustment, but I feel like it's just a correction. Right, it it is inflated. Prices, you see, you see what's going on. Of course, right. It's like houses should not be this much for what you're getting, right? Um, so I think if I don't know if it's gonna, I don't, I don't think it will be a recession again to where prices are gonna drop like like it did in the Great Recession. I just think there will be a correction. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. You get no control of the sound family. How many, how Back many, at it again, son. How many, how many episodes do I have to uh, clear before I get control of the control soundboard? The sound, you would never get control of the soundboard. That's not, that's not going to happen. I'd be there, so much better. Whole, I don't trust you with control of the sound before. That's the problem. Is, is it with me? I can edit my own shit out with you. I, I don't I don't know what you're going to do. I'd be reckless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Higher Standard. This is the best host. The second host is sitting next to me. He's all right. Um, yeah. Go ahead. That's as witty as you can be? The best, the best host. This, this is going to be a long episode. The best one of, one of two. <laughs> best one of two. Look, man, if, if you're not first, you're last. Ricky Bobby, baby. <laughs> Which I live my life by that theme. My, I tell you that my brother told me, uh, and I can say this because he told me this. He, he hasn't listened to a single episode of the podcast yet. <laughs> I say we keep talking about him on every episode I'm talk until, to him every he, episode. until he recognizes. He's a dirty, dirty birdie. Come on, man. Yeah, not one episode. And then here's the best part is he tells me this while he's in Croatia. Oh. And, and he's like, he's like, and this is like the night before it comes, the flight comes back. He's like, hey, man, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't listened to an episode. I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He was asking about wholesaling. So I'm like, listen to the second episode that we did. It was with Jamil. He's like the number one wholesaling country. He's a great dude. Right, master, guy. master class. Master class. You know, if he was anybody want to talk, talk to Jamil, but listen to his podcast first about you know, what he did. And he's like, yeah, I never listened. I never listened to your podcast. I'm like, that episode or? He's like, ever. <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, listen to that one on yeah, the way back. Yeah. Uh, and he said, okay. I'm like, you're on like a 16 hour flight. Like you're going from here there, from uh, uh, Croatia to, to Canada to back the US, the whole thing. Like, all right, I'll listen to it. Gets back. Next day's Father's Day. Yeah. How's the podcast? How's the podcast? All right, hey, bro, I slept the whole way. I'm like, bro, you just told <laughs> me you're exhausted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, man. So, you get, all right, listen to the podcast. Hey, you're talking to a guy who's never going to, he's never going to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's never going to hear it. But it makes you feel any better, though. My sister also said she never listened to the podcast either. <laughs> which, so, which one? All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I, don't, I don't blame. I don't blame you. You can be obnoxious in real life. I, I, I guess if you're getting me all the time, then it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. you, don't, you don't need this. In, I guess it, it added to your life. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe it's just because I'm. 
Well, how was Father's Day? The awesome one. They don't, they don't want to shout. How was Father's Day? It was good. How about you? Yeah, Father's Day was great. What'd you do? Um, I left a bachelor party early on Saturday to make it home in time to be sure that... Oh, is this that German bachelor party you're talking <laughs> about? <laughs> this is the German bachelor party who all listen to the podcast. Do they really? Yeah. Hello, boys. <laughs> Hello, boys. <laughs> and made sure I was home for the kids. And it was great, man. Just woke up and we had breakfast together. Played a little Mario party. Wow. So, you left the, the podcast early? Left the podcast early? Left the, 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 the bachelor party bachelor, early? I'm, I'm yeah, this at, feels like a party. I'm looking at your face. <laughs> I don't think all the mean things I could say. So, you left the bachelor party early to be home for Father's Day then? Was yes. That, was that the intent? Yeah, so the kids can wake up and see their father, like the good father that I am. Wow. Look at yeah. you. My son, who's actually six years old, um, just got shown an episode of the podcast for the first time. He heard Uncle Chris's voice and he heard he hears my voice and he says, Dad, can you give me a shout out? I was like, yeah, Adam, sure. So, Adam, I love you. Ari, I love you too. I'm, I'm pausing for emphasis. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I love you too. Okay, good. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love you. Don't. <laughs> we did. We did. Uh, we went to uh, Newport, and we got a we got a boat. My my sister uh, and her boyfriend, who I love, he's a great guy. They um. We got a Duffy, but we were like filled up. My, my dad, so we get in the boat, my dad's in the back on the wheel, right? Oh, everybody was there. Everybody's there. My, it was, you know, my dad, me, my son, um, two of my sisters, my brother who just got back from Europe to tell me that he didn't listen to the podcast the whole time he wasn't playing. Yeah. And then uh, my sister's boyfriend who I adore, he's a great dude. And then um, my aunt and her husband. That was pretty full, pretty full for a Duffy, right? And we're out there and my dad's like behind the wheel and he's had like a, a cocktail maybe, but... He just cannot drive the Duffy. He's like doing donuts around like the like oh. the, the harbor. It was bad. So, we had to take over. How fast do those Duffies go? Like five knots. It's like five miles an hour. It's like nothing. Uh, nothing. Yeah, they're, they're not going very fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're going real slow doing in circles. donuts doing, five miles per hour. <laughs> it was, it's like it was, Austin Powers bit. Yeah, it was terrible. And he kept swerving left and right. And I'm like, this guy's going to get us killed going five miles an hour. It's, it's not good. But, uh, you know, it was a good day. You know, we went to a new restaurant in Huntington. My son, it's, it's weird seeing like at three years old, you can take him more places and do more things. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely. Especially once they get potty trained. Yeah, and he's you potty know? trained. It, it, I'm still not there yet, but eventually yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. get there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pee here? Yeah, I'm just start, I'm starting the diapers early. I'm going to put them on, you know, when I'm 60. Might as well Does that start bother now. you knowing that one day? So, Nuno, who also doesn't, Hugo Nuno, who works with me, he doesn't listen to podcasts either. So, he kiss my ass. I'm telling you this. <laughs> nobody I'm, listens to the no, podcast. Nobody who, nobody who likes me listens to the podcast. Maybe they don't like Maybe me. Maybe they don't <laughs> yeah, like it. Yeah, they don't yeah, listen to the podcast. Yeah. But uh, I've, already, I've, I've often joked with him, like when the time comes that, that I'm going to put diapers on him, I'm going to do it messed <laughs> up on purpose. <laughs> like, you know how like you can not do it tight enough and it pees on the side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. as, after having a three-year-old, like I know how to put yeah. a diaper on right. And I know how to put it on wrong yeah, where it looks right. Strategically give him a rash. So I want him to wet himself and get a rash every yeah, single time. Every single time. Yeah. Just, just so I can say, listen, boy, uh, you can't control yourself. I love you, Hugo. Uh, no, he doesn't. He li- he's, he's, he's literally flipping he's you off. Listening. He's not listening to this. He's never going to listen to this. He's still, I had to make him download the app to force him to give us a five-star review and then delete the app. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, no, we don't do that. So, technically, it's 70 reviews, not 70, <laughs> 71. But who's keeping count? I keep count of every damn one of them. And I will find out over my day. I will find out who left us that one-star review. One-star review. And I will hunt you down like the dog you are. I think that was before I joined the podcast. It was before you joined the podcast. It may have been you. <laughs> no, I'm saying if you needed me to I've get I've never seen your review, sir. Yeah, my review was the first one. Nah, yeah. All right. So, I'm angry. Let's go. And uh, we're going to do this. And there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this right now and be very upset because I'm going to come off somewhat polarizing. Wow. Shocker. I know, right? So, I am fucking sick and tired of this rhetoric. 
okay. realtors are giving out about home values not going down. And I've talked about it in many episodes. So uh, go ahead. Go. I'll let you go. Was that? Were you like sighing a relief? Or no, it's just, I mean, I don't understand how, how, how they could take a stance like this. I mean, first of all, real estate has cycles. It's always had cycles. This cycle being significantly longer than last ones. So, how do you come off saying, no, real estate's not going down, man? Because, I mean, it's not just them. I mean, I, I can't remember who made the quote now, but data, you know, torture long enough will admit to anything. It's kind of the quote, right? Mm-hmm. You can, you can manipulate data. I mean, that's the problem with so many studies, like when it comes to food and it comes to like health and nutrition, like so many studies are paid for the people that want to use whatever it is that they're using and they're always, you know, somewhat favored. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the labs and you're getting sponsored by somebody to do the research that you love, of course, you're going to try to do what you love, even though they're paying for it. And there is a tent and a spend of things. And then a lot of people don't read the results of the studies. So mm-hmm. when it comes down to the economic data, it's the same thing. People will read like these headlines. And if you look, and I posted on my social media a thousand and one times, these headlines, home prices, home prices struggle. But when you read it, it says that home prices aren't going down. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? So you throw out the headline because it's catchy. Click, click baby. But then you get in there. But then I've done, you know, you do some research and I didn't even know this up until a couple months ago that like Barron's who reports on real estate a lot. Right. They're owned by the same parent company as Realtor.com. Oh, I didn't know that. Realtor.com bought OpCity. Mm-hmm. And OpCity provides leads to real estate agents. Yeah. So, there's a direct monetary interest. Yeah. There's also Dave Ramsey who's out there and I wonder if I can play it. I probably can play it from my phone. Where Dave Ramsey was out there saying that he, he emphatically got on his social media and said that home prices are not going to go down. They're, they are not going to go down. Oh, I do have it. Um, and I'll, I'll share with everybody on the... Actually, that has got my comments in it. But basically, he, you know, I'll play one of my comments on it. Maybe, maybe it'll be uh, insightful for everybody else. But effectively, what he said was that home values were not going to go down. And then he cites kind of his explanation as to why. But then I got into some details that I found. I'll play this. You don't really need to see it in order to, in order to understand exactly what it is he's talking about. But this mm-hmm. will kind of give you, this is the fodder. And this has been cited by so many real estate agents. It just infuriates me. But this is, this is what's happening. All right, let's talk real estate. Yes. A lot of folks are saying, I'm going to sit on the sidelines and wait on buying because house prices are going to go down. Let me help you with this. House prices are caused by one thing and one thing only, supply versus demand. How many houses are for sale what? versus what? how many buyers there are. So I, I got into that and I tore it, up, tore it up. And what you'll find is that he actually, on the next post, mm-hmm. was telling everybody to follow a link to get a trusted real estate advisor and an agent. You go to it and you, t- you put your name and your information in where you want to buy a house and they give you three realtors in your area to refer them. He's a lead aggregator. That's exactly how yeah. lending tree works, for yep, example. Exactly. Right? So it's no surprise to me that like, you know, Barron's vis-a-vis Op City, who's a lead aggregator for Op City, he's doing the exact same thing. He's a lead aggregator. Basically, he gets these leads, he passes them off to a real estate agent and he gets a, a, a small fee for that service for mm-hmm. passing off this quote hot well, lead. Yeah, what's sad about this is, I mean, Dave Ramsey um, is, a trusted source by a lot of people. He's prob- he's helped enough people in his time to where now people feel like I could just trust whatever he says. But has he though? Or is this the first time that you and everybody else are seeing that there's an economic spin to it for him? You're right. I mean, that's true. I mean, but I, I know that that's the, the pitch that he's selling, right? That I, I'm a trusted source. You can trust me. He takes in phone calls, helping people, you know, fix their, you know, you know, financial problems or uh he talks a lot about credit repair some of that stuff's mm-hmm. good like I've, yeah. I've heard his stuff before too i'm not gonna lie yeah. like it's not it's not absolutely terrible but what i will say is is he is a fiduciary he's just not your fiduciary yeah 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 he should he shouldn't be i mean you shouldn't have just one trusted source when it comes to things like this especially i mean i think we talked about this on the last podcast where this is for a majority of the population the biggest financial um 
you know, investment that they would make, although we shouldn't look at it as an investment, but you know, they're putting all their money into Yeah, this. you had to put that in there because you know it's going to whoop your ass. Yeah, you about to. I, know, I, saw, I saw the way you were looking at me. Your house, house is not an investment, man. Your house is not an investment, damn it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and he's just viewed as a trusted source and a lot of people just, oh, he says it's okay. Let's just keep going. But here's one of those scenarios where real estate agents will pick this as a source of data for them to say that house. Look, even Dave Ramsey thinks that and it's completely not accurate. So I, I posted and I talked about the study about mania from uh, the Wharton School of Business. And then later on, I found the quote I want to play for you. And I know you were trying to get at this earlier, but I didn't want you to see the whole thing. Yeah. I think this is important. So Peter Schiff, for those of you who don't know, is, is another wealth advisor, but he's actually the one who I think was most notable for calling the economic crisis back in 2006. He said, the United States is like the Titanic. And I'm here with a lifeboat trying to get people to leave the ship. And it goes on. But basically, he said he saw the financial crisis coming to the United States back in 2006, and everybody thought that he was crazy. Mm-hmm. He was accused, uh, well, when it did happen in 2007, 2008, people said, well, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And myself, wow. personally, yeah, I've been talking about a recession coming for probably four years. So, you're the new Peter Schiff? No. He's much <laughs> smarter than me, arguably has more hair than me, <laughs> which, which is messed up because he's, he's older. But he, uh, he, and he's, he's a much smarter uh, economist mind than I am. I, I'm still trying to figure things out. And I certainly didn't, I was too young to really understand and appreciate how big the Great Recession was going to be. But this one, because I'm such a, a fan of, of history from an economic perspective, this mm-hmm. one really interests me. Yeah. But I, I, so I don't, I purposely don't follow him. I don't follow, I don't follow a lot of the people who, who share the same opinion as me online because I don't want their spin to influence mine. It's always or, nice and gratifying to see when, when they have similar mindsets. It's smart that you do that. A lot of people just search for confirmation bias. Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. That's exactly what I don't want to do. I don't yeah. want to have confirmation bias, but I saw this and this prompted some shit today we want to talk about. So I'm going to play it and then you give me your kind of thoughts. Okay. Keep, keep in mind, this man called this and was bastardized for it and here he is again saying this stuff calling it again this train wreck is going to happen and the people who are out there telling you everything is great they're going to they're going to spoon feed you some more lies when it turns out it's not great and you know what they said about me you know after i was out there predicting the 2008 financial crisis and then it finally happened like ah peter schiff he's just a stop clock he's been saying this for years yeah it was true for years i i was warning people in advance Mm -hmm. i knew what was going to happen and they were like, well, nobody could have really seen this coming. Nobody knew we were going to have this financial crisis. Nobody saw this housing bubble. This was a hundred year flood. That was all a bunch of nonsense. They're going to say the same thing again. And they'll say, oh, Peter Schiff, yes. Well, he's, of course, he's been, of course, he's a stop clock. He's finally right again. I've been right the whole time. They're the ones that have been wrong. Their clocks are stopped. They think everything is great. They don't understand it's just an illusion created by the Fed. They can't see the bubble because they've been trapped inside it for so long. Boom. Boom. I mean, it, yeah, they could also, they could be the stop clocks. And then I think he's playing it nice or they have a financial interest to keep pushing it. They do. But I will say that, so think about this from the age perspective, right? Like most people that are entrepreneurs that are in their 50s and 60s, they're not the ones that are out there on social media kind of spinning things. So a lot mm-hmm. of people that are out there on the social platforms are usually in their late 30s or early 40s that they're considered to be veterans and younger, maybe 20s or 30s if mm-hmm. they're relatively newcomers. No matter what demographic you fall in, those two demographics. Yep. You haven't seen a recession in your adult working lifetime. Yeah. If you're 32 years old, you were 18 during the Great Recession. Yeah. um, We talked about it. Yeah. We talked about it on on one of the previous episodes that, you know, I'm 35 going on 36 and I hadn't entered the workforce during the last recession. Uh, Yes. That means I'm young and you're old. God damn it. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but it's true, and it's like it's it's it should be it should be kind of scary for people that haven't experienced this experienced this before because. Um, but it's not scary if you don't know. It's I think that that's the fucked up part about this whole thing is like yeah. I think people, the ones who do know are legitimately afraid. Yeah, the ones who don't know are like, nah, we'll be good. Well, what should scare you is um to actually you, ex- talk about what you told me the other day about Spotify letting uh people go. Um, like that is, that is something that you would think that shouldn't be impacted by the markets or whatnot. It's just, there's listeners, but what, they're getting rid of people God too. damn it. You don't listen to our show either? Yeah. I listen to what do you mean? Bro, I just talked about this in the previous podcast. No, but I'm saying it's, it's it relates to this. Like, okay. <laughs> oh man. Let the record show say he doesn't listen to his own podcast now. Uh, yeah. So that's absolutely true. So July, 2022, you're going to start to see the implications. Uh, obviously a lot of what we've seen so far have been, has been behind and I'll get back to why Peter Schiff's important, but this is actually somewhat relative to it. I'm yeah. not complimenting Saeed on a good transition. I'm just saying it happened to be coincidence. That being said, uh, so yeah, July, 2022, a lot of these companies that are public are going to report. And the way this works is, is every three months, every quarter. So a- April, May, June, mm-hmm. right. They report their quarter end public filings for all these NASDAQ, New York stock exchange, anybody's publicly traded. They report and those usually come out call it first second week of july mm-hmm. and a lot of these companies are going to start talking about the implications they've had the, the financial challenges they've had in the last couple of months so a lot of the data that we got like for example the uh, mortgage applications was last week that tends to be weekly mm-hmm. uh, but not all things are reported that way so when companies report quarterly think about the things that has happened since then right. june and july uh are a pretty pretty significant financial challenge right, right? so yeah. i mean this is on the heels of 25 and 50 basis points. Exactly. So going into whatever happens in July, you've had 25, 50, now 75, and you haven't had these companies report the impacts on their balance sheet, and there will be financial implications, and those implications will be very visible, very public. Mm-hmm. Analysts, when their job in Wall Street is to look at these companies and kind of do like a pro forma projection of where they think this company is going to be and kind of validate some of their numbers and try to figure out whether it's a good buy, a bad buy, things like that, right? Right. And I'm taking a very complicated business and I'm making it seem very simple because it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is, is they're going to take these, this information and make a judgment call. Analysts haven't priced in a recession to these companies. They haven't priced it into banks. They haven't priced it into so many of these public companies yet because they haven't reported numbers yet. Right. When they do that, the expectations on Wall Street will lower. I think the analyst numbers will, will come lower. I think the, the companies will quote, cut their own expectations. And as a result of that, they're going to say things like consumer discretionary spending is down. People aren't spending as much traveling. Yeah. People aren't right. spending as much buying things. Right. And that's going to wind up being layoffs. I mean, you have to, as a company, shift and pivot to be able to make money in good and bad economies. And how do you do that in bad economies? You look for efficiencies. I know for a fact, using Loan Depot as a, as a constant reference because they're in my backyard, uh, I know they're going to eliminate an entire position at the company. Wow. So that they can have, quote, more efficiency. But and while that sounds good and that sounds really cool and like, oh, it makes total sense when you talk about what they're doing and why they're eliminating the positions, they're still letting humans go. Yeah. Those jobs are still layoffs. Spotify happened uh, on, on kind of the, the, the cusp of, I think, these things. And there's a lot of smart companies that did it in advance. And the smarter ones will do them sooner rather than later. Right. Right. Uh, because those who get caught up into the headlines, that'll be a whole new issue. So you saw the lenders do it. You've seen a lot of people do it. I think there's a lot of other auxiliary companies that are going to start to have those impacts. Um, a lot of the real estate ones like timeshares and stuff like that, they're going to really, really come down. I think those are going to be yeah. really challenged. I think the NFT industry right now, as much as it's been booming for so long, is going to have some serious challenges where cryptocurrency is going right now. Yeah. So uh, th- there's so many, and these are, these are the early things. And that that's why... 
someone like Peter Schiff is, is awesome at calling these things because he, he's, he's forecasting where these things are going to go. Yeah. I don't have the skill set to see how far into it. I just know that there will be impacts. There will be impacts. We don't, yeah, but we don't know that it can. So what I did to kind of augment what we talk about all the time, real estate values and everything else is on social media is I reached out. I know there's a lot of realtors who follow me. So I reached out and said, look, I need, I want MLS information for the states I don't have. I've got California, I got Texas, I got Oklahoma. I want to know everywhere else. And you're getting this information from where? From other realtors. Other realtors. Across the, across the country who, who follow me on social media. Oh, okay. And if you log on to MLS, the multiple listing system, which all realtors have access to, to list their properties and to see what listings are out there. It's basically their version of Zillow and Redfin, but it also gives them an aggregate data of new listings, of listings of price increases, price drops, mm-hmm. uh, homes that are pending. Average days in escrow. Yeah, in their sub-market. So for example, California, um, I belong to the Orange County Association of Realtors. I have the SoCal MLS. That gives me pretty much everything from Los Angeles uh, down to just before San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's kind of an idea of a region. And it's a big region. So, But I got Miami, I got Fort Lauderdale, I got Orlando, I got Naples, and then I got Tennessee. And I started going more and more into this. I got uh, broader parts of Oklahoma. I got all of California, all the way through to Modesto, Sacramento, San Francisco, all that stuff. All the way through to the Midwest. and Every single one of them exhibited massive amounts of price decreases. And every single one of them showed supply coming into the market much faster than properties are coming off the market. Wow. Undeniable numbers. And the reason why this is so important, the reason why this is so relevant to what Peter Schiff is saying is unlike waiting for those quarter end reports, which come 30, 90 days out, yep. that's real time data. That's today. That's today, yeah. And each one of the, the polls that I had the realtors do was from the last seven days. You can actually pull this last three days, mm-hmm. today, you know, yeah. last seven days, whatever. But I had to pull from the last seven days. Last seven days in and of itself were clearly exhibiting a trend that was counter to what all these people in real estate were saying about home values. So do you think that there's going to be a a steep decline i mean it's hard to predict but what do you what do you think do you think there'll be a steep decline out of nowhere overnight right where everything just drops and stops or it'll be a slow painful death so this is the polarizing thing that i was going to say and thank you again for the great segue uh (laughs) i'm good at this you're very good at this clearly uh this is i'm going to change my my historic perspective has been a 10 to 12 percent adjustment I don't believe that is any more sustainable. I think I think it's got to be more than that. Honestly, though, deeper. it doesn't even like. I get what you mean, adjustment, but I feel like it's just a correction, right? It, it is inflated prices. You see, you see what's going on. Of course, right? It's like houses should not be this much for what you're getting, right? Um, so I think if I don't know if it's gonna, I don't, I don't think it will be a recession again to where prices are gonna drop like like it did in the Great Recession. I just think there will be a correction. All right, so let, let's walk this through. Okay. Somebody else hit me with this. I get a lot of DMs from people who, that's the crazy thing about financial literacy. People don't want to, they don't want to like talk to you openly in the comment section where it's the most beneficial for everybody yeah. because there's like an embarrassment factor or they don't want to get called out. So they just yeah, do, yeah. I get DMs all the time about this stuff. Somebody hit me up with that recently and I okay. thought to myself, okay, you can't compare recessionary economies. Every recession going back to 1929 and certainly most every post-war recession mm-hmm. was started by different catalysts. Yes. None of them were started the exact same exact, way. That's true. They may have had similar effects on the economy and, right. and things that were measurable and calculable. Mm-hmm. But for people like Keeping Matters Current to put out a chart saying these are the last six recessions and only two of them are really real estate recessions. Only one of them had deeper. That's not relevant. Right. Okay. They had different stimulus every single time. 
And what I will tell you is there's a lot of corollaries between the Great Recession and where we're at today from a home value perspective. Sure, mm-hmm. credit losses won't lead the way. Yeah. It's not, it's not going to lead the way. Banks are, are safer and more secure. But mm-hmm. that isn't to say that all of these factors that are out there in the economy aren't going to lead to a correction. And I tell you, I, th- I think yeah, I, I, know, I can they, tell you right no, now. They definitely will. It definitely Affordability will. is the correction now. Yeah. People cannot fucking afford to buy a home. Right. Exactly. You, if you can't buy, buy a home, you're just window shopping. That's like me standing in front of Louis Vuitton saying, I'm going to buy that bag, but I can't buy it. Yeah. It's still not a sale. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same thing with homes right now. The, de- the demand is there, but they can't execute on the demand. Dude, I, 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 will, I shit you not. I have literally had conversations with people lately. And, and I, again, I don't talk about how much I make, but I make over seven figures. And my wife and I were talking about homes in the area. And we're like, how, how, do, I, how do we make so much money? Yeah. And we can't afford this. Yeah. And it's not because we try to live within a certain portion of our paycheck and we're very conservative and i try not to you know live within your means we try to live within our means but not even that we try to live within uh, like a portion of our means and set aside a certain allocation amount for investments and that's that 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 theory has treated us well for a long period of time Mm -hmm. but we look at like how much people are spending and i'm like i know i make more than these people how can they how can they justify spending just reckless just it it is it's just reckless they they it's almost like let's just do it now and we'll we'll deal with it later but that later is coming. Mm-hmm. That bell's ringing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That bell's absolutely ringing now. So when I say ten to twelve percent, people think that's a that's a big number, but I think it's going to be even more. And they still, well, like Chris, well, how crazy can this be? Well, think about markets like Florida, where values went up thirty percent in a single year. Even if thirty, you know, thirty percent goes down this year, they're still up. Yeah, we are well above home values that we were at before. Yeah, I think they went up recession. twenty twenty five percent in my area. Yeah, twenty twenty four to twenty seven ish yeah, percent yeah, in your yeah. area, give or take. And that, that's that's a crazy number for a single year. A home costs you twenty five percent more. Yeah, that's that's not normal. I know. So uh, Peter Peter Schiff now is now is being viewed as an, they're still calling him crazy. Uh, I mean, some people are. I mean, keep in mind, there's this is the this is the frustrating thing, right? There there are there's this mania, the psychological phenomenon. There are more people buying into where the economy's at currently and it being sustainable than there are not buying into it. And well, people are, some people are saying they're buying into it because they think it's sustainable. So think about the generation gap that I told you about, right? Yeah. The people who live through this are not the ones that are the most vocal on social media. They are not the content creators. Right. Peter Schiff at his age, let me, let me see how old he is. He's an older dude. He's on social media. He is what? What is fifty nine? Uh, fifty nine. So he's fifty nine years old. Not normal for someone like him to have a YouTube channel. To have, uh, I think he has an Instagram verified. I'm pretty sure he's got a Twitter. I don't think he's got a TikTok. But he's out there. Right. Not necessarily normal for people in the economic sphere to be there. And he's doing this because he understands this. As if he can provide a value. And yeah. he is. He's providing yeah. a tremendous value. And he's got. He's gotten a pretty good social presence as a result of it. Although I, I think most people who follow him don't understand. Until stuff like this comes out, that he was that guy before. Right. Him, Muhammad Al Rain called it too, and Muhammad Al Rain this time has actually not been as critical. Mm-hmm. He was calling for it early. Yeah. Uh, when, before the Great Recession, and he's not doing that same thing now. He's he's definitely making a stagflation argument, and he's definitely saying things, but he's not what he once was. And that's what's interesting is two two economists that were clearly on the cutting edge of the Great Recession do not necessarily align on where this economy wow. is going right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but would you say? So I wasn't around during the last recession, but I feel like nowadays uh, there's a the younger generation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are they're they're getting more hip to investing early, younger? They're re- understanding the the effects of you know compound interest and well, you know, are they though? No, I'm a lot not of saying them invested in cryptocurrency, bro. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that they're doing it right. But what I'm saying is 
is do you think that's affecting the market and keeping it you know um i think it was while crypto was high yeah and the saddest fucking thing and i'm not going to call anybody out because this is this is legitimately i feel bad i have received countless messages and phone calls from people that i was connected to through the crypto community or the web3 community and i was i still am a huge fan of the blockchain i'm still a huge fan of nfts in some circumstances definitely not the way possibilities with the possibilities there are endless and i think cryptocurrency will will thrive but it will be in a nationalized stable coin is, is my best guess yeah. there's people out there who disagree they believe that bitcoin is going to rebound and good for them yeah but i've received so many phone calls and messages from people in that space that have been completely fucking wiped out i mean you can start to you can definitely start to look up uh, find articles of people's accounts being frozen it, it's sad well keep in mind too it wasn't just having cryptocurrency then it was like all right like i'm if you're a younger guy and you're in your 20s you made a ton of money what did you do you moved to puerto rico tax, mm-hmm. tax yeah, shelter right tax shelter. you're in puerto rico then you're like all right i need to get money out but i want to pay taxes on it what do i do i get a loan on it so yep. you go through someone like celsius and you get a loan on it and it's 50 percent loan to value max and there's, there's margin calls exactly so what do they do you're you were at sixty thousand dollars i mean close maybe 55 or whatever you know call mm-hmm. it october november last year they, now these margin calls kick in it's just like the stock market except they can wipe you out and they do. And the problem is like a lot of these younger investors are investing everything they have into this. Some of them got smart and were like, all right, well, look, I'm going to get wiped out sooner or later. So I'm just going to draw my line of credit to the maximum Ugh. and then they're going to wipe me out. But yeah. I'll probably have more cash this way than yeah, I will yeah. if it keeps going the other uh, way. Yep. So that's what they did. They, and then that's why Celsius shut everybody from pulling mm-hmm. money out down because they, they were just gonna, it was just going to be parasitic. They were just going to be left holding the bag. And I, I don't think Celsius and those people are going to hold. No, they won't be around much longer. And that, that's the crazy thing is, is there's so much wealth that was wiped out like almost overnight. Yeah. And it's still going down. I mean, it, it, just over the weekend before, um, I think it was Father's Day, I posted that it was at like eight to 17,000 or something like that. Bitcoin was at low. Bitcoin. And then it kind of went back up again. But I think you're going to, you're going to see this, you know, fluctuation go, going up and down, but it'll be more, it'll be going on a downward trend. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think earlier today I checked it was at 20. Yeah, I firmly believe you'll see it below 10. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, historically, we talked about it last time. I'll see you at 12,000. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think it's going to go down more. And I, I don't I don't think I'm a buyer at any point in time. I think I'm going to continue to hold cash and go into real estate personally. Yeah. I just don't All think right. that... Just but wait for values to adjust. It's just too volatile. It's just too volatile. We've seen... I don't... I'll put it this way. I don't want to get into an investment where my money can go from 60,000 down to 20,000 and I could lose 66% of my investment in a matter of like a month. Right. Uh, Nothing I'm holding is that volatile right now. And I I don't know at this point in my life why I would take that risk. Yeah. You know, who I, who I feel for are these people that are caught in these 1031 exchanges, Mm -hmm. you know, people that are, People that are selling and they have, they they're forced to now go invest in something that's overvalued. Well, let's be, let's be clear. They're not forced. So 1031 well, exchange is a tax. Well, I mean, they'll have to pay know. a penalty. Yeah. So yeah. you basically, you go into a 1031 exchange accommodator, they hold the funds for you, and then it goes into the property that you source. That's a similar property. Although I think those laws have loosened up a little bit recently. Um, but you go into a new property, you identify a property, goes into it. it has to be the same vesting as a previous property. And as a result of that, you can defer your taxes on the capital gains. Right. But however, if you choose not to do that, you just pay the capital gains tax. You're okay. That might be cheaper than buying a property overvalued for, you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got to do the cost benefit analysis. But I'm already seeing appraisals come back lower. Already. Already. Oh, dude, all the time. I'll tell you, there's a couple palpable things going on right now. Again, from MLS, from appraisals. I'm seeing appraisals come back lower. Mm-hmm. Not huge leaps now, but definitely lower. I'm seeing properties sit on MLS a lot longer. Something yeah, would sell out definitely seeing properties sit a lot longer. A lot longer. 
I'm starting to see price reductions in the market, which mm-hmm. obviously lead to lower sales prices. And I'm certainly not seeing this crazy ass contingency being waived on everything. We, we would see stuff come in, we would underwrite it, and there would be like way uh, appraisal contingency wave, you know, inspection contingency, financing contingency, finance. Yeah. And you'd be like, "What in the actual? Fuck? Yeah, that's all gone." Who, who I feel for almost as much as the crypto people, and I people are like, "Oh, I don't feel bad for the crypto people." You know, they they chose. I know people that were entirely in the Web three space that chose to get paid via Ether or Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. all they held. I, I know people who. I mean, th- I don't care who you are. You have to feel for people like that. Yeah, I, a dude called me lot earlier this week. He lost. Seven figures is what he held over seven figures. Oh I mean, my he God. was in, in like he was well into seven figures and he's below seven figures now. Yeah. And, and he's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, who, no, who we really should feel for are these people that are home first time home buyers and they're now someone that, you know, families that recognize that these values are overpriced. And now you really are playing a game of chicken of with either you're renting or you're going to go buy. Is rents are, are still sky Sorry, high, yeah. and they're not; those aren't going down. But values values are potentially supposed to come down. So you have to: do I sign a one year lease? Do I sign a six month lease? Do I go month to month? So those are the other people that I feel bad for are the parents who've been doing cash out refinances, yeah, and taking out home equity lines of credit to give their kids the money to put down because that's been happening a lot. And when values drop, if they have a home equity line of credit, you could be stuck holding the bag because someone like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, their big box lenders, they could be like, look, look, we have a right to close your shit down. Like, give us, pay us Jeez. off. They can do that. That's the scary part, yeah. And it's not in their best interest if you're paying as agreed, but they certainly can do that. Oh, they'll lower your line of credit, you know, and, and right. that's where things get really difficult. I, I feel for a lot of these people in this market, it's definitely the weirdest market I've ever seen. And as much as I like to fuck around and have a good time and joke about this stuff, it's very polarizing. And to your point, I put out um, a short reel on social media a couple weeks ago where I was talking about it's always better to buy if your mortgage payment with PITI, principal interest tax and insurance, will be lower than your cost of rent. Yeah. But to have that chunk of money to put down to get your payment there in this economy compared to your rent is yeah. very difficult. That That's why rent prices can go up. Right. Exactly. Because people just don't have that. It, it, it's... People think that, oh, you know, the prices go up, it's one thing, but it's it's actually much more mechanical than that. It, it's a reflection of where the market's at and how affordability is so low. Right. It, it's really an inverse relationship and it's really fucked up to see where affordability is at because look, as much as, is, I, I talk to arrogant people every once in a while, every once in a while I'll run across someone who says some shit like this and it just burns my soul. They'll say, well, you know what? This is a wealthy area. The poor people can go live, you know, oh, God. You know 100 miles that way and they can drive into work every single day. And I scratch my head and think to myself, like, you, you need people to wait tables. You need people to pick strawberries. You need people to do all the stuff that you are too arrogant to do or, right. or too lazy to do exactly. or think that you're above. And not every people, everybody has the same set of circumstances. There's a whole community of people a, a mass majority of the community actually right and you need these people to be happy and to have a good quality of life because let me tell you what happens if not your ass is out there doing that shit yeah you think about all those essential workers that were out there during during the pandemic right dude there's so many people that were had grocery store people. that's what i'm saying grocery, mask on behind plexiglass showing up every single damn day yeah and risking their fucking life when we didn't know what the hell was going on they still showed up to work every single day yeah. so you paying these people like my wife was a nurse mm-hmm. she worked at hogue hospital and i'm gonna call them out right now i don't give a damn what you say my, my mom was a nurse too before mm-hmm. she retired these people are not paid enough. No, no, no. I know. They are not paid enough, not only for what they do and how valuable it is, but also for like just the standard of living. I mean, the level of care that they give, they don't treat you like a number. 
right? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. They they don't get paid enough, and they're not appreciated enough. And this is this is more of a systemic problem, but mm-hmm. it bothers me so much that people who who are doing like essential jobs like that still have to work second jobs. Like my son has a lovely babysitter we we just found. She's amazing. Right. She's a full-time teacher and she's augmenting her salary taking care of kids on the side because she needs more. How fucked up is How this society? Yeah, I know, man. They're, they're the ones that are supposed to grow our kids for the future. But these are the people that we hurt the most whenever we have rental rates skyrocketing and you have affordability issues like this. And you should, I mean, there are in every city across, well, most cities across California, there's affordability restrictions. I'm going to say all of them, but I don't know the technical rule. I just know certain cities, but mm-hmm. it's not enough. No. And if all these prices continue to go up and they never go back down, how do, how do people plan to function? Yeah. They're almost forcing people to move out of the state. Well, exactly what happens, yeah, right? So, exactly. you have these super, super wealthy states, Florida, California. Yeah. So, then you, I mean, Texas. how many people do you know that were entertaining the idea of moving over to, say, Texas? Dude, I was planning on moving to Texas. Yeah. It's like, you know, and like, sure, if you get a, a property that's big enough, nice enough, it makes sense. But then what about, you know, those property taxes are what, 2%? In Texas, yeah. So, that's a big, that's a big miscalculation. For those of you planning to move to Texas, let me give you a little bit of reality, okay? The government always gets paid one way or the other. <laughs> they don't get paid. Yeah. You might not like California politics. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, I've got my, my beefs that, that are there. But people think, oh, I'm going to go to Texas. It's fine. Well, no. Property taxes, in te- property taxes in Texas are essentially double what they are in California. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you live in Highland Park or you live in Austin. They, the property taxes are notably higher. California is 1.16%-ish mm-hmm. California property tax, depending on that, and supplemental taxes. But... In Texas, you know, 2.4 to 2.75, depending on where you're at. So, I mean, you're essentially doubling what your property taxes are. So, if you say, oh, I can, you know, take the same amount of money, go to Texas, buy a mm-hmm. much nicer property, same amount of money, you can, but you double your taxes. So, yeah, you're not getting taxed on your wages, you but... Du- you know. double, double your taxes and what well, you're capped at only writing off 10 grand, right? Uh, yeah. And then you also have HVAC issues where, you know, Texas, you have to run your air conditioning a lot more than you do in California. I mean, I've got tenants and property in both states, so I love the Midwest. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying there are challenges that people don't understand when they go there. Also hard. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but a little hard. I will tell you, it's been my goal to double that portfolio. And this, this year I wanted to really go hard at it. And yeah. I just, I have been unable to find a deal this year so far. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, how much would you, percentage wise, how much would you have to put down in order to First of all, get it to cash flow. I used to put down about 35% to get to like a number that I really liked yeah. on, on, on average. And these were like, I don't know, 200,000 200, to 250,000. When I first started, they were like $165,000 homes. Right. But uh, each four bedroom is usually two bath and usually on a pretty good lot. But um, I haven't been able to find one that I can make work. Yeah. Uh, with the rates and everything else going on now. And well, I got you, some you'd have rates. to go in at what, 50% down? No. I mean, even that, it's just not worth it. And then you think to yourself, okay, like a hundred grand capital, I'd rather just save that and wait mm-hmm. for a buying opportunity. Yeah. That actually brings me to a topic I did want to discuss with you. All right. Let's go. Your segue game is on fire today, boy. I know what I'm doing. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of the Burr strategy? No. What? The Burr strategy. Burr. Okay. So, yeah. So there's a lot of people out there. Thatch to Win is a big advocate of this. Um, Henry Washington, who I think is part of uh, Bigger Pockets in the podcast. And I, I actually am a big advocate of the birth strategy when it comes to buying a home. So you buy a home. Okay. You rehab it. Okay. You rent it out. You refinance it. Yeah. And then you repeat. Yeah. Right. The theory is you snowball can, effect. Yeah. yeah you, you continue to kind of lever up this way. There are some challenges with this that people don't want to necessarily address up front. I am a huge fan of this when you're getting started, but in your mind situation and you own more than 10 properties, 
you got to find a private lender that's willing to do this with you or you're not going to do it because any agency back lender, somebody doesn't sell in the secondary market, they're going to loan to you. Right. Okay. So then when you're buying, when you first start off, you buy like one unit properties or maybe two mm-hmm. units or three units. But when you think about it, the most you'll be able to own, you know, own if you have agency financing is 10 properties, 10 properties times four units, assuming you live in, in one of them. Yeah. Right. That's 39 units that you can, that you can have. Right. Because outside of 10 single family residence loans, like you're unlendable unless you have a, a relationship with a private bank. Yeah. So tell people, how do you make that jump? Well, there's a couple ways to make that jump. You can 1031 in the bigger properties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do what I did where I paid off properties early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allowed me to continue to put properties on before I had a private banking relationship. Now I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one, actually a couple different lenders and depending on the states. Some lenders like to stick in their own states, which is fine because that okay. works for me. Yeah. Um, I've got lines, lines of credit that I can draw on. I'm, I'm about leveraged to the position to where I, I can take advantage of the next market. I'm not really using the money now, but I have it accessible. It's going to my tap in. Mm-hmm. So normally I like that strategy a lot. I think it's a great strategy. I advocate for it. It's, it's a wonderful strategy. You should do it. But in this market, I was thinking about it the other day. Okay, let's break this down. Okay, buy, buy. at historic high prices. Right. Like in history. Mm-hmm. Not, not just like this week, this month. In history. Right. Okay. Rehab at historic high cost of supplies. Yeah. Plus your contractors are, are exceedingly high. They don't want these small gigs. They want big gigs. So rehabbing is not their priority right now. Construction right. is. And if you can find somebody, they want a big project. The the contractors that I've been working with, and I am a general contractor, it's not a knock against them. They're taking advantage of the market. Yeah. They can. That's what they're doing. Yeah. So now their cost of supplies has gone up 30% in some cases for like longer. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I know that. Then you have contractors prices have gone up about 25 to 30% depending on where you're at. Plus you have to wait for them a long time. Yep. So buying high, rehabbing high, rent. Okay, you get a positive there. You get high, historic high rents, but not enough to make the cash flow work. I mean, how long to recoup all that? Right. Then refinance at what historic high interest rates? That's I, what I mean. I felt like over the past, over well, the not historic high, but not high. historic, but high. Right. That's what I was gonna say. Over the past, you know, year, year and a half, you know, people were saying, "Oh, buy." I know, even though the rates are slightly are starting to go up. Um, they're still historically considered low, but that's, not- that's true. That's that's one thousand percent true. And when you think about it in the perspective of like seven, eight percent rates, yeah, but that uh, wasn't bad advice. But the problem was the home prices were too high. The, the home prices were too high. But now look, rates are still are going up again. They're going up, and now that theory is now gone. Oh, of course, yeah, because your rates are rates are too high. You're, yeah. you're going to be you're going to be six, seven percent rates. I did a poll of this on uh, Twitter. I didn't get a whole lot of feedback, but the feedback I got was most people felt like by the end of this year you're going to be close to eight percent. Yeah. That, that was the general consensus. So I tend to do a lot of that instead of coming up with my own opinion. I, I tend to agree with that one. Mm-hmm. I don't think you start seeing, there's a lot of people who are calling by the end of this year, you're going to start to see relief. I don't think you see relief this year. I think you see it probably closer to the end of next year going into 2024, which is an election year, November 5th, 2024. That's the next election. Yeah. I think you'll see some relief in and around 2024, but I think 2023 is, that's a recessionary economy. Chalk that up as a loss. If you're a real estate buyer, you get in the property, you're going to be paying for a high mortgage yeah. rate. But at the same time, you'll be able to refinance and make that whole thing make sense later on. Yeah, man. Strap on your boots. <laughs> well, that, that's that's a good thing, though. And this is where people put a negative spin on it. And as much as I'm, I'm trying to have a good time and have fun on these podcasts, I'll tell you, this is the part that I think people misconstrue about my sarcasm on social media and the way I attack this. Yes, I'm aggressive with people. Yes, I call bullshit on a lot. Mm-hmm. But this is the buying opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm telling every single fucking one of you out there right now, every single one of you, do everything you can to prep and get ready to buy. Mm-hmm. Stock, real estate, whatever you're into, become a subject matter expert, get sharp, know that I'm not going to call it a hundred year flood. The great recession was a two and a half standard deviation event. 
but all the models that I ran and that I've looked at and that I keep looking at, I don't think we get there. I think a one and a half standard deviation event is probably real. I do think this will become a real estate impacted recessionary economy. I do think you're going to see more than 12%, but it will be the opportunity to, to really hugely leap forward from a financial perspective. People are seeing this as a negative. It's not a negative. It's a positive. Be smart. Yeah, Play if you're your smart. Cards. Right. Yeah, exactly. If you Recessionary plan. economies build the next millionaires. Right. You just got to be ready. Got to be ready. But part of being ready is not buying into this bullshit and acting like it's not going to happen and stick your head down in the sand and buying that expensive sports car and going on these vacations and, and saying, you know what? I got the money now. I'm going to live life. The one thing that pisses me off more is like, yo, you got to live life. You got to live today. Mm-hmm. I respect no, that. No, YOLO. Yeah. Yeah. You can't YOLO. No. You can do that. That's fine. But you have to understand if you're not ready when the time comes, luck is a combination of preparation and opportunity. Right. Got to be prepared. It's true. Doing a lot of agreeing in this episode. <laughs> Patience is a virtue. We want to give off some more quotes. You sound like my shit's cliche? No. Not at all. But it's, it's true. You got like a nervous tick. For those of you who can't see Sai oh. right now, he's, he's literally <laughs> winding the cord of his headphones it's so, up right It's so now. long. It's so it's long. It's long. Yeah. It's supposed to be long. So, you feel comfortable. It's not my fault you're bouncing around. We got to get these uh, videos up and running so people can, I can make fun of you for your attire. The problem is we're literally in like a sauna right now. I, I mean, it's hot as shit in here. <laughs> so we're sitting on, we're sitting a, on a sauna. Chris is sitting on weights. I am sitting on weights. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the end of the show for now, largely because both our kids and our wives are upstairs. And I love you, honey. Mine looked very upset when I came. Yeah, I love you too, sweetheart. Um, and we're going to go upstairs. And Your wife doesn't listen to the show. She, she listens to every episode. Does she? she? She critiques me. You're too close to the mic. Don't say this. Don't say that. I'm like, I'm shooting from the cuff. I'm shooting from the cuff. That's not cliche. Yeah, I, I, you didn't see what I did there. No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to continue did. with the cliches. God damn, people. <laughs> well, I would like to say uh, goodbye on a possible happy note. Yeah, but yeah, let's end it on Instead, that I'm going to tell Saeed to go <laughs> himself. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.